0: And um, you leave for two weeks, and somebody really tall must have been here last week. <laughs> so I'm going to drop this down, because that's not my height. Uh, but it's good to be back, and um, we had a, a eventful and fun two weeks away, and to use r- imagery or language from Rachel's sermon last week, it was full of false starts, as you might expect in a long vacation, but overall we had a great time, uh, but it's good to be back with all of you today, and I'm appreciative of Dave and Rachel for, for filling in here, preaching while I was gone, and for everyone else who, who did stuff while we were out as well, uh, but it's always, always good to get away and then good to get back as well, so it's good to be here. We're glad that you're spending part of your 4th of July uh, holiday day with us here today. We hope everyone has a, a fun and safe rest of the day today. Uh, so that clip is from a show called Ted Lasso. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, it's a great show. Um, now, all the caveats about language and, you know, some adult content, things like that. So don't take the family home and plop them in front of the TV today and say the preacher said to watch Ted Lasso. So, you know, discretion is advised, but, but good themes, uh, good messages in the show. And I love that, that clip, be curious, not judgmental. Of those words of Walt Whitman, which become this, this life motto for this fictional uh, football and soccer coach of Ted Lasso, they're not only words to live by, but words that I think help us to approach and, and navigate the parables well. Today, we're going to begin a new series looking at the stories that Jesus told, stories that, that we call parables. And while there are several ways that we could begin a conversation about the parables, I thought that that quote and that idea was a good place kind of for us to begin. Be curious, not judgmental. Because I think that, that the parables implore us to be curious. And I say that for several reasons. Uh, and one of them is, is that Jesus often told these stories in a way that left most of his audience confused or, or wanting more information or asking questions. Even the disciples who are with Jesus all the time would often come up to him afterwards and be like, Jesus, so what, what did that mean? <laughs> no one knows what you're talking about. And, and that seems to be part of the design of these stories. That not only is Jesus okay with some people not grasping the full message on the first hearing, like that seems to be part of his plan. It's part of what he's getting at. It's part of the reason that he uses these stories as as really one of the primary forms of teaching that he does. The parables necessitate exploration and contemplation. They invite spirit-filled imagination and curiosity. There are depths to mind, there are nuances to unpack, there are layers to peel back, even in some of the simplest of Jesus' parables. They encourage us to be curious, to lean in, to sit with the story's characters, to ask questions. They are, it seems, intentionally not very direct in many cases. They're not straightforward teachings a lot of times. They're not simply explanations or illustrations of hard-to-understand truths. They are stories that compel us toward curiosity. Jesus' parables were not primarily designed to simply make clear something that was previously unclear. I think that sometimes is how we think of them. If you're like me, maybe you originally heard parables. uh, They were described to me as earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Maybe some of you heard that growing up, which is true to an an extent, Uh, but sometimes I think we make them out to be these stories that Jesus told to try to make something clear that was hard to understand. And again, while that's part of it, sometimes it was to keep things unclear. (laughs) Uh, And we're gonna get to that a little bit as we look at some stuff today. Because they were told in a way that invited reflection, and in doing so, they revealed the truths of the kingdom to those who were ready to hear that message. But they also concealed the truths of the kingdom to those who were not ready to hear. So they had this, this kind of pro, this, this transformative power for some that revealed something new, but they also concealed it from those who just weren't ready, or for those who were combative towards that message. Uh, for those who, as Jesus will say, didn't have ears to hear. Uh, So one day, one day Jesus is staying at somebody's house, and he walks out of this house, and he goes to sit down by a lake, which is a nice house to be hanging out at, you know, if you can just walk outside and sit down by a lake. And so Jesus gets outside, and no sooner did he get outside and get nice and comfy than a huge crowd starts just cramming in around him. This was common, it seems, for Jesus, like Jesus had his fair share of detractors, but he knew how to attract a crowd. <laughs> and it seems like, it seems like his de- detractors were part of the reason that he often spoke in parables. You see, a fair amount of Jesus' parables are really invitations to see the world in a completely new and revolutionary way. Uh, the gospel story, story itself that plays itself out in Jesus' life is a story of disorientation. It's a story of a Messiah who comes in order to be killed on a cross. Like that's, that's a disorienting story. It's a, it's a story that, that requires a new way of looking at the world. And that message, that story plays itself out in Jesus' teachings as well. His teachings were also meant to be disorienting. And so, if he gets too direct with that message too soon, he might well get killed before he even gets to Jerusalem. And so, it seems part of what Jesus is doing here is kind of letting people in on little pieces, or or or, or kind of telling stories that will give a glimpse of what he's talking about, but not make people too mad that they'll kill him too soon. <laughs> like he's at least got to get to Jerusalem. And so he he speaks in parables stories that reveal and conceal because he's already got plenty of detractors and plenty of people who are ready to kill him he also has plenty of people who are just kind of hanging around for the spectacle of it all they like the show there's no hbo or ted lasso at this point so people hey we need something to do let's go hang out with this jesus guy he seems to something's always happening around him at least so it'll be entertaining if nothing else Maybe we'll get some free fish and bread, you know, who knows. (laughs) Then he's he's also got a few people who, you know, they're there for the healings. But then there are a few people who are kind of genuinely interested. There are a few people who, who have heard this guy and they're like, you know, this guy doesn't match any picture that I had in mind of what our prophets were talking about. He's not leading a military uprising, he's not overthrowing Rome. He doesn't seem to be going after power in the way that we thought someone was going to go after power. But there's something to what he's saying. There's something to his stories. So I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep showing up. <coughs> and so this crowd, with all these various motivations, they're, they're coming and they're, they're pushing now around Jesus and they're packing in, so much so that Jesus finally has to get up and he finds a boat on the edge of this lake that he's sitting at. He gets in the boat, the boat becomes his, his makeshift stage or, or pulpit, and he starts telling stories. Matthew and Mark both tell us about this account, and they both say that he, he starts telling stories. Now, both of them tell us about one specific story that he told, a story that many of you may recognize about a man who goes out and he's throwing seed and it lands in different parts of soil and different parts of the ground, but they both tell us he's telling multiple stories. So it's kind of a storytelling session with Jesus. So Jesus gets to the end of those stories, and he says a common phrase that that becomes familiar to his hearers. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, of course, I'm guessing most of the people there actually have literal ears. So Jesus is talking about something else there, right? Whoever has the willingness, whoever has the the, the faith, whoever has the curiosity to absorb this and hear what I'm saying, lean in and, and listen. So now by this time, by this time the disciples have seen what's going on. They see this huge crowd once again gathered around Jesus. And I'm guessing that, that they see opportunity and maybe they're getting a little scared. Because you see, anytime a huge crowd ends up following Jesus, this seems to be when Jesus will let loose with his most appalling, shocking, and sometimes even offensive teachings. <laughs> this is when he starts to say things you like, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which scared some people away. <laughs> this is when he says things like, you have to hate your father and mother, which scares some people away. Like this is, Jesus sees some, a lot of people coming. He's like, all right, we got to weed some people out here. <laughs> and so the disciples, they start pushing their way towards Jesus. And by the, final, by the time they kind of get to him and have a moment with him, the disciples say, Jesus, why do you always speak to the people in parables? In other words, Jesus, you're blowing it. <laughs> like, we've got all these people here again. And if you just tell them what's going on, like, we could get some more people with us. We wouldn't have to keep, you know, staying in random people's houses. We could have an actual ministry going on here. We could rally some support. Listen, Jesus, no one knows what you're talking about. (laughs) We don't know what you're talking about half the time. These people have no clue what you're talking about. Why do you speak to them in parables? (laughs) And so Jesus says this, "'Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven "'have been given to you, but not to them. "'Whoever has will be given more, "'and they will have an abundance.'" Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. You might recognize that part directly from another parable Jesus tells about talents and things like that. We'll get to that later. Not today in the series. Uh, so then Jesus goes on to quote Isaiah, basically saying, these people aren't ready for the direct stuff. They're going to hear what I'm saying, but they're not going to fully understand it. They're, they're going to see, but not fully perceive they're not ready for the direct stuff yet. I'll, let you, I'll explain it to you. So he goes on. He actually explains the parable to his disciples, but not to everybody else. So sometimes, sometimes things need to be left a little vague, which isn't what we want, right? We want, what's the parable? How do I interpret it? How do I apply it? Jesus just tells it and then says, if you're ready to grasp it, if you want to chew on it a little, if you're ready to hear it, then, then the Spirit will, will open some things up to you in that case. You see, there are messages embedded in Jesus's parables that not everyone's going to be ready to hear. And so while he explains some of the parables to the disciples after the fact, he largely leaves them unexplained to his larger audience. But whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so that's why I say that exploring the parables requires curiosity. As we engage the stories Jesus told with a curious mind and an open heart, we learn to be less judgmental. We are drawn to humility and graciousness and gratitude, and we're provoked to adopt a more kingdom-minded worldview as we begin to get a clearer picture of who Jesus was and what he came to do. And I think that is really what has shifted in in sort of the way that I read the parables personally. Because I think for a long time, I had this view of the parables as as stories that are largely moral teachings. And, And the point of them is to kind of implore us to some type of good moral behavior. They're about something that we should do. And there's certainly that element to the parables But but the parables and and Jesus' kind of holistic teaching around the parables are much bigger than that. But I think that idea of kind of the parables being moral teachings, I think that's part of why we often kind of see them in children's curriculum, right? They're popular children's ministry stories because they kind of have a nice, uh, easy-to-land kind of meaning in a lot of them about something that, that we should do. And so, for instance, the parable of the Good Samaritan can become a story simply about helping those in need. Now that's a nice message. It's a message that is in keeping with with the message of Christ. It's something we should do. The problem is that if if I keep the story of the Good Samaritan to that message, it becomes a woefully inadequate and incomplete rendering and understanding of what Jesus is trying to do in that story, especially for an adult audience. For a five-year-old, it might be good, right? If you see somebody in need, you need to help them. But there's more there if we're curious and if we ask questions and if we dig into it. And so I think, I've I've really come to see, uh, at least for me personally, that the parables seem to be more about what Jesus came to accomplish than they are about what I am supposed to do. Now, once I internalize what Jesus came to do, that's going to have some implications for my life. Uh, But the parables are more about this kingdom vision that Jesus came to enact. Jesus is saying in these parables and through his ministry that the prophecies that you've been reading about forever are fulfilled in my coming. I'm here to bring about the kingdom of God. And that's a big message to have to go out and tell people. And so Jesus often, though, begins his parables by saying something like, the kingdom of God is like... Or to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like this. They're parables about what the kingdom of God is like and what, ke- what Jesus came to do. And that's such a big message that, that Jesus goes about sharing it in stories. So you begin to ask questions then when you, when you think about that message. Like how do you communicate something that, that everyone has been waiting for but something that then looks nothing like what they've been expecting it to look like? How do you communicate something that that many will hear as blasphemy without powerful people killing you too soon? How do you get someone to re-examine their entire worldview and give them a new paradigm through which to understand the world and their place in it? You tell stories. So the parable of the Good Samaritan is about much more than doing good for those in need. It is about that, but it's about more than that. It's about seeing the world differently because of the transforming work of Christ. It's about letting go of prejudice and racism and recognizing that the person or the group that I think is least likely to act in a loving and God-honoring way is fully capable of such action. In fact, in fact, if you read the story fully... <laughs> that person may even be more likely to act in that way than someone who looks or acts or thinks like me. And that can be a little offensive. (laughs) Like, we all have that person, right, who we would least expect to act in a loving, godly way. Whether it's a person, a group, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to single anybody out, because I think we all, if we're honest with ourselves, there's someone like that in our minds, right? Right. And the point of the Good Samaritan is Jesus pointing out to his Jewish audience, like, that person, the person you've spent your life distrusting, hating, thinking isn't worthy of God, that's the person you need to go emulate with your life. Ooh, that sticks. (laughs) That hurts a little bit. So it becomes then a story about refusing to draw lines around those who we love and those we don't. It's about changing the questions that we ask so that instead of putting parameters around who is and isn't our neighbor, we begin to ask how we can be a neighbor to everyone around us. And the problem with those types of messages is that they can be at best a little (laughs) off-putting or perhaps even a little offensive as I mentioned earlier. They're messages that take longer to break through our defenses and our biases and our preconceived notions of good guys and bad guys. Those messages don't go down quite as easily as we need to help those in need. And so, Jesus shares them in stories. So over the next several weeks, we're going to dive into some specific parables as well as some themes and connective Elements that I think we find throughout Jesus' teachings and the parables in general. And as we do so, my hope and prayer is that we will have ears to hear and eyes to see. That we'll be willing to, to sit with the stories and dwell with them. So I hope this is something that, that we'll be willing to, to sort of sit with some of these stories throughout the week. If you're looking for places to engage in Scripture, I would encourage you to sit with some of these stories. Go read the Good Samaritan. If you're like, I don't, I don't get where he's coming at with that piece of it, go, go read the Good Samaritan this week. Read the parable that we skipped in Matthew 13. That's where this kind of imagery with Jesus at the lake comes from. Read that this week. Be willing to sit with them. Uh, invite the Spirit to, to join you in that and ask questions and reflect. So, I hope that we'll do that. I hope that we'll be willing to be curious and ask questions and examine the ways that the messages may be disorienting for us, just as they were for the original hearers of the stories. And I hope that we will also be simply reminded of the power of story. Because the truth is, God did not stop communicating to the world through the power of story when Jesus' earthly ministry was finished. God continues to impact the world through stories. And God is telling a story in, through, and with the lives of each person whose life has been transformed by the work of Christ. That your life is worth sharing, your story is worth sharing, your story is worth hearing, and your story is worth living The story of any life that has been touched by the love of Christ is a story that contains a powerful and compelling narrative. And the good news is that we don't have to be great storytellers like Jesus in order to tell our stories well. That may be the gift for some of us, but it's not for everyone. But that's not how we have to tell our stories. We can tell our stories well by not showing favoritism. We can tell our stories well by loving even when it's difficult, by extending forgiveness when it's unexpected, by being comfortable in our own skin and not not longing for someone else's story to be my story, by being curious in a world that that coerces us and, and pushes us towards being judgmental. And I think sometimes when we hear that, judgmental, you, that word judgmental, some people may have a certain picture in mind, and it may be that picture that you might be thinking of, but I think it also includes just this idea that I've got everything figured out, and there's nothing new that I can learn. And those really seem to be the people that Jesus is saying, they're not ready. <laughs> That's it. If you think you've got the world figured out, then then there there may not be some stuff that you're ready to hear in Jesus' message. (laughs) Because if we're honest, none of us have everything figured out. (laughs) And we need the humility to recognize that and to say, if I'm willing to sit with the Spirit, if I'm willing to examine these stories anew, if I'm willing to ask, Jesus, where are my blind spots? Where am I not acting fully in love? Where do I still have some bias, some prejudice? Where am I not fully living out your vision of the kingdom? And, and having the humility to say, yeah, I'm probably not all the way there yet. We can take out the word we're probably. <laughs> I'm not all the way there yet. How can I grow in that? Then I think the parables of Jesus have something to share with us. We tell our stories well by allowing the stories that Jesus told to continually transform us and lead us into the greater truths of God's love, grace, and mercy. And at the center of that love is a Savior who came not only to die for us, but to give us a new heart, new eyes, new ears, so that we could feel, see, and hear with a new kingdom perspective. So this morning, as we typically do, we're going to share in the communion meal together. We hope that this is a time for reflection for you, for prayer, time to ask questions, for time to think about your week ahead, time to think about the ways in which you can engage the world with a kingdom perspective this week, time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us, to be grateful for that and appreciative of everything that Christ has done for us and his love expressed to us in his death and resurrection. So there are the communion elements available in the foyer. If you were unable to to pick those up, there'll be a song that plays uh, as we share in the communion meal this morning. And I hope that that each of us are anticipating and expecting God to continually give us ears to hear and eyes to see what he wants us to hear and see. Or in the words of, of Walt Whitman via Ted Lasso, may we be curious not judgmental. Would you stand, please? We're going to pray our prayer of confession together and then share in the communion meal this morning. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love hear us forgive us renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil hear us forgive us renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace may we resolve to become more kingdom-minded to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. You may be seated.